Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. This past week, my wife and I, Erica, went and saw the movie Jesus Revolution. How many of you have seen it just out of curiosity? Cool. Yeah, uh, a handful of you. I've been told in my lifetime about the Jesus movement, but in full disclosure, uh, I'm a little too young to have experienced it real life person, and uh, it happened before my time. But it has been fun to hear some of you who experienced that time frame uh, in, in history and, uh, and saw the movie. One of the lines that really stuck out to me from the movie, it said, these hippies were looking for all the right things in all the wrong places. They were looking for all the right things in all the wrong places, and the place where they could have found what they were looking for was closed to them, which was the church. And the story goes that there was a courageous pastor who opened up their church for uh, the hippies to the dismay of some of the religious folk who were in the church that day. And what was birthed was one of the largest spiritual awakenings that America has ever seen. And you know, I watched that movie this past week, and I'm like, Lord, let it be. You know, it's time. Let it be again. Would there be another great spiritual awakening in our community, in our nation, in our world where you would draw people who are looking for all the right things in all the wrong places to you? And so over the past six weeks, we have been talking about why we exist as a church. I hope that it's getting in your spirit. I hope that some of you could quote it. And, uh, and know what it is, not just for the sake of having some kind of line, but instead that we would just realize, like, this is what God is doing. This is what he's united us together for. And it's this, to inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to Jesus. Not to just settle there, but to grow in their relationship with him and in others. It's not just about the relationship with God, but it's also the relationship with others. We grow in Christ in community with one another. And then go tell the world the good news. That's why we exist. We've been talking about this. And here's what we know is that when we experience the love of God, there's nothing like it. Nothing compares. And so when people try to substitute something else for the love of God, it always leaves them empty. But the love of God fills us up to overflowing. The love of God compels us to give our whole lives to him. No reserves, holding nothing back. A life completely surrendered to God is the only reasonable position in view of what God has done for us. There's a purpose to what we do. There's a purpose why we unapologetically push back the forces of darkness in our community and let the light of Jesus shine bright. Last week, we talked about viewing things through the lens of eternity. It's so easy to get caught up in the here and now and focus on what's right in front of us, but the reality is is that there is an eternity that awaits all of us. And so while we live in the moment, we also need to live for the moment that's after this moment, which is our eternity. Last week, I, I, I talked about that it should uh, inspire us with a sense of urgency to take the mission and the commission that Jesus gave to go into all the world with a sense of urgency. For followers of Jesus, eternity should elicit a number of emotions, first of which would be excitement. As followers of Jesus, one day we will get to spend an eternity with him forever. That should excite us, right, that we get to spend eternity with him. 
The other emotion that it should elicit is comfort. To realize that whether you think that this life is absolutely amazing for you or whether it's absolutely in the pits, that at either end of those spectrums that what awaits us is so much better and it should give us peace and give us comfort. The other emotion that it should elicit is sadness because we realize that not everyone makes it. Not everyone will have the same outcome. Those who don't confess Jesus as Lord and obey his commandments will spend an eternity in hell. And so we realize that there are two destinations at the end of this life, one with Jesus and one without, and not everybody makes it. And I just wonder for all of us this morning, how does that, how does that hit you? Honestly, when you think about eternity and those destinations, does thinking about your eternity and someone else's eternity impact your life? Does it impact what you do and what you don't do? Does it create a sense of urgency to be part of the great commission to go? We've been given this great commission by Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18 and 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Last week we talked about Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 10, the two lost things. There was a sheep that was lost and then there was a coin that was lost. And in both of those parables as we looked at those things being lost, Jesus brought the correlation of people and he said that uh, with the sheep and with the coin they both threw parties, they invited everybody, they celebrated and he said so will it be with the angels in heaven when one sinner comes home. Right? If you missed last week, I would encourage you to listen online, crosspointwaverly.com or YouTube or Facebook or Spotify. There's this transition in, in Luke chapter 15 from an animal, a sheep, and a coin to now talking about a person. And the celebration at the end of this passage that we're about to read gives us a glimpse of how big the heart is of our heavenly Father. So we look at the Great Commission and fulfilling the Great Commission, it requires an immense amount of trust in God. One area that it requires trust in God is with ourselves. Like, do we trust that God is good enough for us? We talk about that we exist to inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to Jesus, right? Is God good enough in your mind for you to surrender your whole life to him? And I think secondly, as we think about fulfilling the Great Commission, it requires an immense amount of trust in God that he's good enough for our neighbors and for our friends and for our family members. You might say, well, what does that mean? Well, think about those who are closest to you. Think about those that you're in relationship with. Have you had a faith conversation with them? Have you told them about your relationship with Jesus? Have you asked them about their relationship with Jesus? And I would propose to you that if you've not had faith conversations with those who are the closest to you, that you don't trust God with those people. Because if you trusted God with those people, you would talk to them about him. 
I hope that this morning in this passage that you'll see the incredible love of God and that you'll realize that you can trust him for you and trust him for others. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We'll pick up where we left off last week in verse number 11 this week. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. It'll also appear on the screen. For some of you, this story is familiar, and I hope that you won't check out. And instead, one of the things that that you'll look at in this passage is, obviously, we see the heart of the father, and we oftentimes talk about the younger brother, the prodigal, who goes away and squanders everything, and then the older brother who doesn't share in the excitement when his younger brother comes home. And what I, I want us to realize this morning is that in both of those situations with those brothers, their hearts were distant from the father. One had external sin that was separating him from the Father. The other had internal sin that was separating him from the Father. And one of the ways, one of the things that we see in this passage is that the love of the Father was great and extended to both of them. So with that in mind, let's look at this this passage. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. When he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, and I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son that was dead is now alive. This son that was lost is now found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. He was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years that I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who, was, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we ask that over the next few moments that there would be a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us today? Would you illuminate the deepest recesses of our heart with your word and Would you help us to bring our lives into alignment with your word today? In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Last week, we talked about the sheep and the coin, and now the prodigal son. And, and these three parables are a response to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day criticizing the company that Jesus kept. They were upset that he was treating sinners with love and kindness instead of shunning them the way that most of Israel leaders did. Rich Wilkerson Jr. wrote a book called uh, Friend of Sinner, Friend of Sinners. And in it, he talks about Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus. And this is the picture that he paints of Matthew. He says, suddenly the guy that you used to grill steaks with in your backyard is your enemy. Now he uses everything he knows about you against you. With the full backing of the conquering nation, he takes what he wants from you and your loved ones. Eventually, you can hardly feed your kids, and he has a Ferrari parked in his driveway. You tell me, is that a good person? Is that someone you want to hang with? Is that someone you're excited about going to church with? Is that someone you would trust with anything you value? He says, me neither. That's why it's so startling that Jesus made friends with people like Matthew. He made friends with sinners. He didn't just talk with them. He loved them. He called them. He didn't leave them where they were. He changed them. And he made them part of his story. It's unbelievable. Jesus sought out and befriended a known criminal. Then he named him one of his core group of followers. He says, if that doesn't fit in our paradigm, then we need a new paradigm. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus' response comes because the tax collectors and the sinners are drawing near. They want to hear what Jesus has to say. And verse 2 says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And Jesus just looks at them and says, how many of y'all lost something? Anybody in here lost something? Okay. Yeah, that's what Jesus says. Any of y'all lost something? What'd you do? You went and looked for it. And if it was something of value, you probably celebrated. You posted on Facebook, I found my phone. <laughs> you know? And so Jesus tells these, these three stories in, in these parables, and the final parable is so strong. And in it, Jesus illustrates the foolishness of sin and the faithfulness of God. He says, a man has two boys, and the youngest son asked his dad for his inheritance early, and he, he didn't ask for his inheritance early so that he could go and produce and provide. Instead, he asked for his inheritance early so that he could leave and consume and in verse 13, it says that, that this man squandered all of it. He squandered all of it in reckless living. Sin took him further than he wanted to go, kept him there longer than he wanted to stay, and cost him more than he wanted to pay. Maybe there are some of you in this room or watching online today that that's your story. That something that began as a curiosity or something that began as a small compromise in your life has turned into full-blown sin or full-blown rebellion. And sin has taken you further than you ever wanted to go. It's kept you there longer than you ever wanted to stay. And it's cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. I hope that you'll see in this story that it's not too late. That the road's not too far on the way back to Jesus. This younger brother is painted in a horrible light. And what this brother did was pure evil and absolutely stupid. How many know that sin makes you stupid? Sin makes you stupid. Why don't you just look at your neighbor and go, sin makes you stupid. And unlike the signs, 
that you may see in a shop that says, you can't fix stupid. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus can fix stupid? Jesus can heal stupid. Jesus can drive stupid out. Jesus can set stupid free. Right? You don't have to be trapped and remain in sin. Jesus can set you free. As horrible as what this son has done, Jesus informs all of us that as long as we're still breathing, as long as there's still breath in our lungs, it's never too late and we're never too far to find our way back home. This man squandered all that he had, everything that was freely given to him, and now he has nothing and he's at rock bottom. His situation has become so desperate that he became a farmhand feeding pigs. And according to Jewish laws, uh, uh, pigs were unclean. This would have just been incredibly humiliating for him to do something of this work. And, and sin that felt like fun for a season has left him destitute and hungry. He was so hungry that, that the, the pig pods looked appetizing to him. And he was longing just to eat those. And nobody would even give him that but he has this moment of clarity, and in verse number 17, it says that he came to himself and remembered that he has a loving father. And so he writes out this script, and he rehearses what he's going to say to his dad, and decides that he's going to go home. And so he rehearses this script, Dad, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against heaven, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son Please just treat me as a servant like one of your hired hands. On his way back to his father's house, his father looks from a distance and he sees him. The father never gave up hope. And looking out on the horizon, he sees a figure that I'm sure he can't quite make it out. But he just knows that he knows that he knows that it's his son coming home. And you know his dad had a script too. Jesus doesn't tell us what that script was. But I'm sure his dad had been rehearsing that script as well. Oh, I hope that boy comes home. Mm. When he does, I'm going to hug him, but I'm going to tell him a few things. And the script that the father had written and rehearsed went out the window. Because when the father came face to face with his son, all he wanted to do was welcome him back into the family. What a powerful picture for some of you in the room and some who are watching online this morning who've squandered every opportunity that God has given to you and yet the cry of the Father's heart is just come back home. Come back home. Verse 20 says that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And in case you missed it earlier, this, Jesus is not telling us a story of, he's not, re, he's not rehearsing a, uh, an, a historical event. Instead, remember, this is a response to the Pharisees and the religious leaders critical of who Jesus was spending time with. And so he tells them these parables, which is a story to teach a lesson. And this is his response. And, and look at what Jesus says. He says, the father, knowing what the son has done, knowing that he was at rock bottom, felt compassion. Can I tell you that as we go and fulfill the great commission that God has called us to, it is vitally important that we have compassion. It's vitally important that we see people the way that Jesus does. One day Jesus was with his disciples and they were trying to get away. And in Mark chapter 6 verse number 34, it says, when he went ashore, Jesus went ashore, 
he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. Jesus looked out over this crowd, and he had compassion. He says they were sheep without a shepherd. I wonder when we see crowds of people who are doing things in opposition to the word of God, what would it look like for our hearts to be moved with compassion because they're sheep without a shepherd? The father had compassion on his son and he did something that would have been culturally crazy. He ran to his son. Can I tell you that the heavenly, our heavenly father is still willing to break cultural barriers to welcome his children home. He's still willing to break cultural rules to welcome his lost kids home. The dad in the story is so grateful that his son has come home that he doesn't even let his son finish this script that he's written out and rehearsed. Instead, he interrupts him. Two lines into his script, And he calls for the servants and says, put a coat on this man. Put some shoes on his feet. Put a ring signifying that he's still part of this family back on his finger. And go kill that fattened calf and we're going to celebrate. Because that son that was dead is now alive. That son that was lost is now found. Not everybody shared in his excitement. Verse 25 says that the older brother was out working. He was making some money to pay for this party that he didn't know about. So as he comes back, he hears this music and he sees this dancing and he wonders what in the world is going on. And a servant tells him, hey, I've got exciting news for you. Your brother's back. And your dad's so excited that he threw a party. The brother doesn't share in the excitement. Instead, the Bible tells us that he was angry. Verse 28, he refused to go in. So his father comes back out to him. And he says, what's going on, son? And the kid in the story who seemed externally like he had it all together. While his brother was out living wild, he's back home taking care of the farm externally doing all things right, externally being obedient. In fact, he tells us so in verse 29, all these years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command and you've never thrown a party for me. And then in verse 30, what was on the inside came out. Can I tell you that what's on the inside is gonna come out? It just will. The older brother finally exploded. And he says to his dad, but when this son of yours came, Who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. The younger brother's sins were easily identifiable. They were external. They had been exposed. He had been separated from his father because of sins of passion. He was chasing after all the world had for him and it left him empty and broken and destitute. But the reality is that the older brother also had sin in his life. The older brother was good on the outside, but not good on the inside. His attitude stunk. He was too convinced of his own goodness, too attached to his own hardship to understand his own brother. He was self-righteous and judgmental. While he had done a lot of things right, he didn't share his father's loving heart. 
neither one of these brothers' hearts were in sync with their father's. You know, as I think about this story, I'm grateful that the older brother didn't get to the younger brother first. I'm grateful that as this prodigal son came home, that he encountered the heart of the father and not the heart of his older brother. Can you imagine what that conversation would have looked like? What, things didn't work out the way you thought they would? You're not welcome here. You've embarrassed yourself. You've brought shame upon our family. And the only reason why you're here is because you've squandered everything away. You've run out of money, and this is your only hope. Why don't you just leave? The older brother would have totally underscored his own sins and magnified his brothers. Meanwhile, he wasn't able to conceal the fact that his sin had made him critical and judgmental and unloving. Gratefully, the father got to him first, and the dad looks at this oldest son, the one with these significant heart issues. And he says, you're always with me. All that's mine is yours. It was fitting to be glad for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. When you connect the dots with these two other parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, both of those things at the end of those parables says that that, there will, that the angels in heaven will be rejoicing over one sinner who comes home. The father's done everything that he can to throw the biggest, most extravagant party for his son. And yet all of that pales in comparison to the party that the angels in heaven are throwing every time one lost person comes home. So this morning, maybe there are some of you who your sins are like the younger brother. They're external. Can I tell you that the road is not too far and you've not gotten too far away that if you repent today that God would distance himself from you. Instead, he'll run to you. Put the robe on your back, shoes on your feet, ring on your finger, kill the fattened calf, and welcome you home. Maybe there are others like the older brother who, where externally it looks like you have it all together, but internally you're a mess. Say the same thing to you, the road's not too far. You've not gotten too far away that if you repent today that God would distance himself from you. Instead, he'll run to you. Put the coat on your shoulder, shoes on your feet, ring on your finger, kill the fattened calf and celebrate that this child that was once dead is alive. This child that was lost is now found. As both of these categories respond to the incredible love and the grace of God, may we be moved with compassion. We've prayed for this moment. That for those that have come in today, that externally your life is a mess without Jesus. That today would be a day where you would trust that God is good enough for you. That these areas that you've been holding on to and holding back from, that today would be a day where you would give your whole self to him. For those of you who've been good at putting on a show on the external, but inside your heart, is in absolute chaos and turmoil and you know that you don't have the heart of the Heavenly Father, that you're far from Him, that, that internally there's a separation that's there. 
In just a moment, both of those are gonna be given an opportunity to come back home for the angels in heaven to celebrate and rejoice that even one lost person replied to the tug of the Holy Spirit on their heart. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. This life is, this life is temporary. Eternity is forever. And this morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit has already been doing a work of bringing conviction to sin and drawing hearts to Him today. During communion, there were some who prayed as Mackenzie encouraged us to pray, God, search my heart. See if there's anything in me that's not pleasing to you. And now even in the, the quiet and the stillness of this moment, there's something going on inside of you. The Holy Spirit's revealing external sins, internal sins. And the heart of our Father this morning is crying out to you to say, trust me, hand it over, be set free. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life. I need to confess him as my Savior for the very first time. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. If that's you, when I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Let's all stand. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. Thank you, God. We want to encourage you in the decision that you've made and the journey that God wants to take you on. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998 or on the seat back in front of you, you can scan the QR code and go to the I Decided link and fill out the information there. Again, we just want to encourage you in the decision that you've made in the journey that God wants to take you on.
just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way to the front. The worship team's gonna lead us in another song. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. And so if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I would encourage you when they begin to sing that song that you would step out of your seat. The other thing I wanna encourage you with is this. Last week I closed the service with talking about how Easter is just a few short weeks away. Three Sundays from now, we'll be celebrating Resurrection Sunday. What an incredibly opportune time for us to invite people to church. What an opportune time for us to share the gospel with others. And so I'm gonna ask that you would do a couple of things. Number one, that you would partner with me in prayer over the next three weeks for the Easter services. That God would already begin to soften the hearts of lost people who will come. And that that day would be a day where many, many, many lost people will come home. The second thing that I'm gonna ask is that you would partner with me in inviting people. Love for us as a church to invite 5,000 people to come to our Easter Sunday service. And you're like, yeah, listen, look around. If all of us would just invite a few people, then we could easily reach 5,000 people invited to come on Sunday. We can't control the outcome, but we can control the inputs. We can pray and pray and pray, and we can invite, and we can believe God to do something miraculous and supernatural on Easter Sunday. So please join in doing that. I'm going to pray. Worship team's going to lead us in a song, and the prayer team will be at the front if you want to receive prayer for anything. God, we thank you for the heart of the Father that continues to draw lost kids home. Lord, I pray for those even still this morning that haven't surrendered their whole lives to you, that you would give them the courage to do that. Or for those who feel like they're too far away, that your grace couldn't reach them, may they be reminded this morning that with breath in their lungs, the path is not too far. And that on the path back home is a heavenly father who's willing to throw the robe on, put shoes on the feet, ring on the finger, welcoming back into the family and throwing a party. Lord, we celebrate the two that have come home today. May this be the beginning of an incredible journey where they're being made as disciples who will make disciples. God, go with us from here in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.
Thanks for joining us. 